All right, can we concentrate now? Feel free if you've got like, some paper or your, your, your smartphones to take out. In fact, thank you. Thank you for reminding me, Steve. I've got to do that right now because my time starts now. <laughs> this is our final. Can you remember? Can we go back to week one just quickly? I'm not going to go through all seven weeks, six weeks. This is the seventh. Um, week one, can you remember who spoke? Carl Faye spoke seven weeks ago. Can you remember that? And Carl introduced us to this idea of building a theology. He said right from word go, guys, he said, theology matters. Theology matters. Theology makes a difference. That we are all, do you remember he said that? And I learned this recently as well. That in fact, we are all theologians. And he explained to us why he said that um, it's in fact Um, Theology is talking about God, it's thinking about God, it's our study of God and how we understand God. Theology changes your world, theology changes your life, theology gives you clarity in regards to your thinking, your perspective, your values and your decisions. Theology gives you, let me rephrase, theology clarifies for you your worth. Do you remember Carl Faze on week one sharing about things like that? And he said that theology matters. Your theology matters. Now, the big idea of tonight's message is this, is to help renew our understanding of what work, rest, and play means, all right? And why work uh, is to be enjoyed, not endured. Did you hear what I did there? Enjoyed, not endured. Very good. Now, someone, in fact, estimated, check this out. Someone, in fact, estimated that a third of our lives we spend working. A third of our lives we spend sleeping. And a third of our lives we spend on the mobile phone. No, just joking. Um, In fact, we spend with family and friends while they're not sleeping, working, or on their mobile phones. But anyway, that's another thing. Uh, But Ecclesiastes 3, Ecclesiastes 3, I think the book of Ecclesiastes, in fact, we're going to do that in a couple of weeks' time, aren't we? I think it's a great book to read at least once a year, for all Christians to read the book of Ecclesiastes at least once a year. And um, clearly, the writer teaches us in this passage that work, work is a gift of God, not a punishment. I'll come back to that in just a moment. Let's read this passage from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and it says this. What do workers gain from their toil? So the writer's asking a question. What do they gain from their work? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity. This is a beautiful verse right here. He's set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink Who likes doing a bit of that? Fantastic, in those Mars bars right there. And find satisfaction in all their toil, their work, because this is, what does it say? This is the gift of God. This is the gift of God. How, Steve, how on earth is is work a gift of God? Good question. You're asking good questions already tonight. It's a gift of community and friendship, first of all. It's a gift to help us grow spiritually. It's a gift to meet our financial needs. We'll come back to that also. It's also a gift to develop our character. It's a gift through which we express love 
for God and for others that we work alongside. And it's a gift that gives us a tremendous sense of fulfillment and also accomplishment. Now, let's establish who's here tonight and possibly participating online or listening to this podcast at a later date. We have employees in this room tonight, those who are listening. We've got some employees in the house tonight. Fantastic. Employees uh, means you have a boss. They're also employers that you are the boss. Any hands, any bosses here tonight? Fantastic. We've got a couple of those. Very good. We have self-employed people here tonight. We have unemployed people maybe listening in here tonight. Um, You're between jobs. Maybe there are people here tonight, and we have some of those here, morning and night, part of the Door of Hope congregation, who in fact have health issues that maybe prevent you from working from time to time. We also have in the room tonight students. Yeah. How many of us know students also work hard? I mean, there are incredible, you know, uh, amount of work to be done at school and uh, homework and assignments and not necessarily paid, but students work incredibly hard. And we also have stay-at-home mums and dads. How many of us know they work extremely hard as well? We also have retired seniors, uh, maybe here tonight, maybe mostly of our morning congregation or maybe participating. We welcome you here tonight. Can I suggest that our seniors also work extremely hard. In fact, I would, I would say some of our best volunteers in the life of our, not just our church, but also our community are retired people, retired seniors. And so in summary, all of us work in some way or another, whether it's paid or volunteered or uh, a volunteer or a, a student who will eventually one day be paid for what you do. Now, personally speaking, here's what I've done in life in regards to work. My first job, can you guess it? Very good. I was, I was on the newspaper round, a local newspaper round in high school. I, uh, by the way, can I explain what newspapers are? <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, I still get a newspaper delivered each and every day. And I love it. I love it. I've still yet to transfer to that. But um, um, I was a newspaper boy uh, during high school, did a few rounds for my friends, etc. And then I worked uh, uh, between uh, high school and college. I worked at a place called Newbake Bakery, but I believe it's now called... Crips, very good Crips Bakery, and no, I was not the, what was his name? The, the Crips, Crips Ambassador. I was not, believe it or not, the Crips Ambassador. But uh, <laughs> I also worked at a service station. Uh, I worked in banking, so I thought I was going to have a career in banking. I worked for Westpac, by the way. Westpac, that has the big red W, I think still does. I was in the Royal Australian Navy there for just a little while, not long, but I was there for a little while. And then I got into the fitness industry. Then I went to Bible college and worked hard up there. And during Bible college, believe it or not, during I had to find work somehow to help pay my way. And um, uh, I did a bit of cleaning. And uh, I did door-to-door sales. <laughs> I was rejected so much. It got me so ready for ministry. <laughs> just joking with you. Just joking with you. All right. And so I worked. Uh, and of course, this last 20, in our 24th year on staff here at Door of Hope. And so I think I've kind of settled and found where I'm meant to be now. But uh, <laughs> they're the jobs that I've had in life. And uh, what about you? What jobs... Have you had or experienced in your life? <laughs> What's that? Sandwich artist. Oh, that's right. Ben was a sandwich artist. That's right. He worked at Subway. Eat fresh. <laughs> he already remembers the tagline. Very good. Now, many Bible characters, many, many Bible characters, of course, also had a variety of jobs. Abraham, 
Abraham was a herdsman. He was also a trader. He traded in goods of, goods of sorts. Um, we, then we have Deborah. Deborah was a judge, of course, and she, this was, that was a significant role in Israel. Joseph, Daniel, and Esther, they had high-profile positions in government. David, of course, was a king, incredible responsibility. Amos, he was a prophet, but yes, he was also a farmer. Peter, James, and John, they were fishermen. And Paul, Paul was a tent maker, very good. And of course, that funded his mission work. And uh, in the beginning, in the beginning, God, God worked, God worked. Uh, in this series, we've also found out in Genesis chapter 1, we've, we've visited Genesis a little bit, haven't we, in this series? In Genesis chapter 1, of course, it's the story of the creation of the world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God worked. You know, the end of chapter 1, what it says, that God kind of, you know, created all this and said, this is really good. In fact, this is very good. But the story goes on in Genesis chapter 2, and it says this. So the creation of the heavens and the earth, did we get that in the end or not? We may not have. Oh, it's there. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh, is that right? On the seventh day, God had finished his what? His creation. Sorry, in my version it says his work. <laughs> On the seventh day, God had finished his work. Just pretend it says work of creation. So he rested from all his, what does it say there? Work, very good. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Now, what I just read, was that anything like that? Oh, good. Oh, good. The guys have done a really good job down the back. Anyway, so in the beginning, in the beginning, God. Where did God come from? That's my answer all the time. Well, you know, you go back and keep going back. Well, where did that come from? Where did that come from? No, no. In the beginning, God. God worked. And if, by the way, this is in total contrast to every other religion. You see, the Christian God was that of working and creating and, in fact, finding delight, finding joy and satisfaction in his work. This is unique. This is unique to the Christian faith. By the way, by the way, God doesn't stop there. God continues to work, doesn't he? He continues to work right throughout the Bible, not only as creator, but as redeemer. That's his role, and he worked at that. In fact, John chapter 5, verse 17, it says this. Jesus replied, my father is always what? Working. My father is always working, and Jesus says, and so am I. Genesis chapter 2, let's go back, remember? Genesis 1, the story of creation. Genesis chapter 2. Let's see how it unfolds. Verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to what? To work. There it is. And to what? To take care of it. And so not only is God a worker, but we are his people. We created in the image of God, but we're also to work and to care for the work that we do and so work. Work is part of God's original plan for the world. And by the way, this is all before the fall. This is not a punishment of God. This is before the Paul. Uh, before the Paul. Uh, oh dear, it's going to be a long night, isn't it? It's going to be a long night. <laughs> this was not a punishment for our sin. It was a big part of who God is and uh, who he's created us to be. <sighs> you can do it. 
I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> In fact, through Scripture, um, God's frequently described using, wait for it, occupational metaphors. And what that means, it in fact helps describe his nature and his character. And I think we've got a list up here on the screen. Here we go. Look at this. A composer. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, by the way. I love that, how God sings over us. Uh, a garment maker. A gardener, of course. A farmer. A shepherd. A tent maker. Builder. Architect. And, of course, a carpenter. And so uh, these are incredible um, metaphors that describe our good and great God. And what about Jesus, by the way, being a carpenter? Could you imagine some of his work? Imagine the chairs and the tables that you know he would have made. It would have been amazing. So here we go. Here we have all these metaphors as, well, God, yes, as a gardener and a carpenter and all the other ones, showing us so clearly that all work has value and dignity. Colossians chapter 3, Paul would write to the church and he would say this uh, in verse 17. And whatever you do, what does that include? Whatever, whatever you do, he says, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so what would it look like? What would it look like each and every day to do to do our work in the name of Jesus, representing him, being aware of his presence. How would we wake up in the name of Jesus? How would we talk to other family members and friends in the name of Jesus? How would we drive our cars in the name of Jesus? How would we um, make our eating choices in the name of Jesus? How would we make our entertainment choices in his name? And of course, our work. Because discipleship isn't just about attending a gathering like this. In fact, discipleship is all of our lives in the name of Jesus, as if Jesus is with me and as I go about my work, however that looks, remember, school included, that I represent him. So, the remaining of our message tonight, I'm going to bring up four things. Four things that we're going to look at God's purpose. What is God's purpose for our work? I think, first of all, if you're a follower of Jesus, our work exists to glorify God. To glorify God. You see, your job, your career, your studies, your business is to bring glory to God. Paul would write to the church in Corinth. He would say this, so whether you eat or drink, once again, we like doing that, or whatever you do, he says, he says, do it what? Do it all. Do it all for the glory of God. I don't know about you, but let's think about this for a moment. You see, when people see our work, is there something different that catches their attention, that potentially brings glory to God? through the way we go about our work, through the life choices that we make, through our example, through yeah, different choices. And so I think the truth is, isn't it, that as we go about our days, we may be the only Bible people ever read. Colossians 4, once again, let's have a read. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation, love, love these words, say these with me, be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. 
Michelangelo, I'm sure you've heard that name before, a well-known creative artist, sculptor, um, architect, painter, poet, you name it. It was around about the end of the 1400s, coming into the 1500s, Michelangelo lived. And he spent four years painting um, the Sistine Chapel, the, the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel in Italy. By the way, has anyone seen that? Has anyone been, you've been there to see that? Wow, we've got a few people who have seen that. Wow, that's awesome. In fact, I think we've got a picture here. Check this out, because during that time, Michelangelo spent a certain amount of time in one corner um, on the detail of this one corner that everyone kind of knew that Wait on, I think he's wasting some time here because most people are not going to see that. And so somebody, in fact, got up the courage and spoke to Michelangelo in regards to why are you spending so much detail on that part of the ceiling when majority of people aren't going to see it? And without hesitation, his response to this person was, was this, well, God will see it. God will see it. I'm working to bring glory to God and what I am doing, I know he is going to see. You see, your work, your job, your studies, your business is to glorify, I think number one, to glorify God. A second purpose of our work is to serve others. Pretty simple really, isn't it? But as you think about it, every job, every task, every business exists to what? to add value to others. You'd either offer a service or a product or a bit of both sometimes, and your role to work is to improve the quality of other people's lives. But just imagine with me just for a moment, if you could, imagine with me getting up tomorrow morning and everyone had decided to quit work. No school, Uh, No church, Um, no cafes, no coffee, (laughs) no shops, no electricity, no TV. This one's for Ben and I. No sport. Yeah, no sport. All right? So everyone, just just imagine, come with me on a little bit of a journey. Just imagine that tomorrow morning everyone woke up and then everyone decided to quit work. I mean, our society just simply wouldn't last, would it? You know, we would, we just, it, would, it would collapse. It's because people are doing their work that we exist and we get to do life. So the next time you go to the supermarket, maybe tonight, after pizza night, by the way. Was I allowed to say that? Is that all right? After pizza night out there. So <laughs> if, imagine, you know, next time you go to the supermarket, whether it's Coles or Woolies or IGA, wherever you go, and you grab the milk, you grab the fruit, you grab the Tim Tams. Yeah. Someone had to work for us so we could purchase those products. Growing, first of all, the apple tree, then picking the apples, then boxing the apples. Our job is a service to others. And so you may be designing, you may be landscaping, you may be helping out with IT needs, but it's a service. And Jesus is our role model for this, isn't he? Because there's a story, a little story, I won't go too much in this, but in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, um, the disciples are arguing with one another about who is the greatest, who is the greatest. And, uh, you know, they, they wanted prominence and status and uh, they wanted to be with Jesus all the way anyway. And Jesus turns to them, he says, if you want to be great, you remember what he says? You're going to be great, you're going to be the servant. 
You've got to serve others. This was a radically transforming, it was a game changer, wasn't it? It was a game changer in society. Third purpose of our work is to provide meaningful contribution. It uh, provides a meaningful contribution. Uh, we get an opportunity. We're all born, aren't we, to make a difference with our life. That sense of um, being useful, not useless. And so your job is a means for you to channel your creative energies and skills and talents as a form of contribution to this global village in which you and I live. Even Paul, even Paul, once again, writing to the church in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 7 to 12, and the, the subject, sorry, the subject title of this particular passage is um, a warning against, wait for it, a warning against idleness. And so um, they're experiencing this, and it was quite disruptive to the community. And so Paul is addressing this head on. This is the NIV. Wait until you hear what Paul has to say about idleness and um, being disruptive. Check this out. He says, For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Now, we did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. Wait for it. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. So here, this is what they were thinking. They were thinking that Jesus, well, he's coming back any minute. And so they stopped everything. They even stopped working. And here they are, sitting around. Paul clearly says that they were gossiping, which is possibly the worst ministry anyone could have. And he says, if you are working, you shouldn't be eating. And so the community became consumers rather than contributors, the way God designed it to be. And so young people, can I speak to young people here tonight because there's plenty of you? I want to ask you this question, to consider a couple of questions for me under this point. Um, what value system, first of all, the question is this, what value system do we use to select our career? Generally, generally, I'll help answer that. Generally, it's money or status, generally. Um, could we consider our lives moving forward what the greatest need is in society? What is the greatest need that exists in society? And how can I maybe help meet that need? You see, I'm going to be honest with you. Many study degrees and get degrees, which is a wonderful thing. And I certainly encourage that. In areas, by the way, that don't always match the greatest needs of our society. Yes, it may pay more. It may have more status. It may have more prestige. But you might have in your heart of hearts... I am really good at this, this, whatever it might be, and I have a heart to contribute to the world in which I live, and I want to encourage you in that because maybe, maybe that's a higher value 
in choosing a job or career for your future. Um, Also consult with parents, of course, and uh, job advisors, but think about your gifts. Think about what you are passionate, passionate about. Think about maybe what God is calling you to contribute in this world. Another good question, by the way, to consider is this. What annoys you? What makes you angry, that righteous anger? Because they also, that might be the key to your contribution in our world. For example, if you can't stand things that are disorganized, that don't run on time, that are little, seem a little chaotic, maybe you have the gift of administration. And then you have the opportunity to bring order to that chaos. Maybe you're someone who gets annoyed at people who are overlooked, people who don't have many friends, people who are on their own, people who are lonely, people who are ignored, people who aren't followed up properly. Maybe you have a pastoral gift. Maybe you have that mercy gift, and maybe that's your contribution. Think about that for a moment. Think about what makes you angry, because that might just be or annoys you, that might just be a key to discovering your contribution to the world. But Steve, 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 you still haven't haven't talked about it. Show me the money. Show me the money. Who remembers that? It's a bit of an older movie. It's a bit of an older movie. Remember the name of that movie, anyone? Very good. Over there, there's an old man right there. Very good. (laughs) Show me the money. I think it was Tom Cruise in that, wasn't it? Is that right? Show me the money. All right, let's talk about that for a moment, the fourth purpose of our work. The team to come just in a moment, not quite yet team, thanks. But um, is to this, is that work allows us to produce wealth. Now, I'm not talking about being wealthy. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with being wealthy. Just don't die wealthy, all right? It allows us to produce wealth. And what I mean by that is produce an income, all right? And some people, in fact, we're all wealthy. Simply living in this country, we are very, very, very wealthy. We were just having a conversation uh, just the other day. Uh, yesterday, I think it was, Karen, my wife and I, in regards to what's happening in the world at the moment. Anyway, but uh, we're in a very wealthy country. You need to know that. Those who have traveled to, to uh, the developing world countries, uh, you would certainly understand. So payday, payday. Payday is simply your payment in exchange for your service or your product. And so God has designed work as a means of producing wealth to meet our needs and also to bless others. Deuteronomy 8.18 says it itself. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. I wish that verse says God gives you wealth, but it doesn't. It says God gives you the ability, very good, to produce wealth. Wealth. God has, in scriptures, by the way, linked hard work with the gaining of wealth so that we develop the character and the maturity to handle the wealth that comes our way. God gives you the ability to produce wealth. As we work, there's also return. Okay, team, feel free to come up when you're ready and uh, uh, we'll just bring this plane into landing. So the team, please come. That'll be great. Because here, let's wrap this up. Let's, let's summarize this now because God's purpose for our work is number one, what? To glorify him, very good. Number two, to serve others, very good. Number three, it provides meaningful contribution. And number four, it allows us the opportunity to produce wealth. To meet needs, yes, we all have those needs, but also to bless 
others. What is it for you as we wrap this up tonight? Is your job or potential job coming after your studies? And even in your studies, is it just a job? Is it just a thing? Or could it be turned into that sense of calling that God has in fact sent you, that God has called you, that God has positioned you for such a time as this, that you are on mission for God to what? To glorify Him, to serve others, to contribute to this fragile and uncertain world and to produce wealth. I think there are just a couple of final comments that are really important in a subject like this. Can you hang in there for two more minutes? Because I want to say this. I feel really led to say this and to finish off like this because, by the way, there is in fact more to life than just work. Here's why. Remember those things? A Mars a day helps you work, rest, and play. Let's talk about those couple of things just to finish off because, number one, you are not your job. You are not your job. When we first meet people, we often ask, what's your name and what do you do? What do you do? Let's never forget what we do is not our source of identity, security, or worth. Work is an expression of our identity, not a means to find it. And so if I lost my job today, I'm still the same person in Christ. I will be looking for a new job tomorrow. But our identity is not in what we do. Our identity is based in the fact that we are an expression of God's workmanship and creative love. Number one, you are not your job. Number two, work and rest is a divine rhythm. Work and rest is a divine rhythm. You see, when we ignore that divine rhythm and God showed us His rhythm, that is woven into creation, we in fact suffer consequences because of that. The pattern of work and rest, work and rest. By the way, we in fact work from rest, not the other way. Um, And so this divine rhythm, it's his gift to us. We rest and then we work. By the way, the Old Testament had a law and it was called the Sabbath, very good. So serious was this idea of the Sabbath in the Old Testament that if you worked on the Sabbath, they killed you. Nowadays, we kill ourselves when we don't take a Sabbath. Think about that for a moment. You see, all of nature is built around a rhythm. The sun rises, the sun sets, the tide comes in, The tide goes out. We breathe in, we breathe out. There's this divine rhythm from a creator God, which is a blessing for us. Third and final thing, work, rest, and play. Very good. You need to balance work with the other areas of your life. A mentor once said to me many years ago, he said, Steve, work hard, but play hard as well. We have family. We have friends, we have sport, we have fun, we have recreational activities, we have church communities. Unless we create those boundaries, work can fill so much of our life and we start cheating on our relationship with God and also families and and our leftovers that we have of our emotional energy. That's all that they get. Now, I really want to finish with this. Listen to me. As we wrap this up, this Building a Theology series, listen to me. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made to do something meaningful with your life as an extension of what God is doing in this world. You are the hands and feet of God. 
Everything you do matters. Everything is sacred. You see, you don't waste your life by where you work. You waste your life by how you work and also why you work. Because as we view our work from a biblical perspective, God's original design for it, your work and life will have meaning and will have a lasting impact in this world and in the one to come. You see, building a theology is one of the most important things you can learn to grasp and understand. Building a theology is how you view God. It's how you understand God views you. And therefore, you treat and how you treat the people around you. Could there be anything more important? Building a theology, week seven. Here endeth the lesson. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that you are interested in every area of our life. And this area is sacred. Thank you that you've given us this high and holy privilege to work and to work hard so that we demonstrate the image of God that is within each of us. You you revealed yourself right from beginning. We're thankful for that as a worker, as a creator. As you looked on your work and you said, it's very good. And I pray we'd be able to do the same. Help us each, I pray, not to see our work just as a job, just as a task, but as a calling as we work to the glory of your name and we get to serve other people in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.